Amen. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Finally. <laughs> and that's what Christmas is all about. Oh, I, I do, yes, thanks. I, I do need the clicker, I think. Do you have it? Okay. While he's getting that, I was reminded that in spite of all the visitors who have come on a day when I'm preaching, you didn't tell me about that. In spite of that, I'm comforted and relieved to remember that God plans these things. God has you here and has me here and all of us here for this time. So, the prophecy, the most important prophecy of all time, has reached the next stage of its fulfillment in Christmas. God has answered his people's cry for help. God came through again. And no one will ever be the same. Jesus was born, lived among us, taught and healed us, suffered death to tear the veil and make a way home to the Father again. And he sent the Holy Spirit. Help us, remind us, guide us, and comfort us until the day he returns to bring us home. Is it on? Oh, too far. There we go. Okay. Read that for just a second. <laughs> See if it looks familiar. I see you all have spent some time on the All 1995 channel. Mm. But wait, there's more. We're still in the afterglow of Christmas. We're still enjoying the music, the food, enjoying the company, I hope. Still trying to pack away all the wrapping paper and bows and things that have found their way into nooks and crannies. It's a lot that goes along with Christmas. Sometimes we feel like we just need a break after all that. Because Christmas can be a lot of work. There's the birth of the Savior, there's the angels and the star, the prophecies, the testimonies, Elizabeth, Simeon, Joseph, dreams in Egypt, which I think we've heard somewhere before. Mary and all those things she kept in her heart. The shepherds, King Herod, all those begats. Anyone ever read those at the beginning of Matthew? It's a fun exercise in pronunciation. There's all those details that are a part of Christmas. And we're familiar with them from repetition. Just like we're familiar with our decorations and what box each one goes in and where that box is going to be stored the other 10 months of the year. There's so much that goes with Christmas that sometimes it can obscure the great rescue, the humility, the miracle that is the reason we have a celebration in the first place. Also, all those details can wear us out, too. I don't know a single adult who sits down to sigh deeply during Christmas and say, I wish I had something to do. But I feel so peaceful, I don't want to do anything. Everyone I love is all taken care of. And there aren't any young people that I know saying, Oh yeah, I forgot, it's Christmas. Or, 
I just love the peaceful world we live in. Christmas is such a big hullabaloo. Sometimes we're glad it's over. It's a labor of love, but that means it takes its toll. Now that we're thinking about slowing down again, getting back to our routine, planning the transition out of the holidays and heading for a new year, what should our focus be? This is a hard time of year for those who are barely hanging on. Now that the push is over, courage starts to ebb. Many on the brink let go of the will to live during the weeks and months of winter after Christmas. As the weather gets more wet and cold, gray and gloomy, the weeks between New Year's Day and the first signs of spring can seem to stretch on interminably. Depression can take a stronger hold. It's harder to be hopeful, cheerful, energetic. We get worn down by work, by the world, by the weather, and the natural letdown after the holiday season. So we tend to get sick more easily. We tend to binge eat or binge watch more readily. We lose motivation for restraint and discipline. We often fail to follow through on those wonderful resolutions we make on New Year's Day. We're heading into the emotional low of the calendar year. Plants and animals are all sleeping. There's wisdom there. <laughs> we humans can go a little nuts in the dark of winter, can't we? We get cabin fever sometimes, and I don't recommend reading The Long Winter by Laura Ingalls Wilder. It's a great book, but this is not the time of the year to read it. If you've ever read it, you know why. Drivers this time of year are crazy, especially at night and in bad weather. There's three kinds of drivers, too fast, too slow, and you. <laughs> right? <laughs> Can I get an amen? People are not being reminded by advertisements to spread joy and goodwill, and so many stop spreading joy and goodwill. It's easy to feel alone, depressed, or distant from God and from each other. It's ironic that we seem to need the Christmas message so much more right after we just heard it to replenish us after all that's used up. And the next big event on the old church calendar after the wise men and epiphany is the very hopeful, cheerful, motivational dynamo of Lent. Fasting, discipline, guilt, anyone? Yay, bring it on if I have to, I guess. So, what should our focus be? The world wants us worn out and spent. It says, but wait, there's more to get. God came that we might have abundant life. He says, don't wait. There is more to give. Our Savior calls us witnesses. There is a labor others have started that we are to continue. The work of bringing hope, truth, and light to a broken, deceived, and dark world. But you can't give what you don't have. 
2 Corinthians 4.18 says to set our mind on things eternal and things unseen. This is where we demonstrate our faith. When we don't see what we hope for. When it all looks washed up. When we have no good reason to be cheerful or hopeful. When circumstances are against us and our feelings join in. This is the time. We show what makes us different from the world. This is our time to shine with the light of Christ that we talked so much about the last few weeks. Easier said than done, eh? How is this light in the darkness bit to be achieved? How do we hold to hope in the hard times? How do we enjoy eating less and exercising more? How do we hold to gratitude in the midst of grief? First, we remember that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. We remind ourselves of who God is, of what He has done, and the hope we have in His promises. We intentionally praise the Lord who lives and who loves us. Focusing on God is always the right decision, as long as we are believing in the truth about his character. See, our enemy is highly devoted to twisting and confusing and distorting God's character. Every moment we suffer, every bad surprise, he takes the opportunity to blame God or to suggest reasons we should blame God or doubt his character or try to make things happen our way instead of trusting him. Who is God? It's always the most important question. Did God really say? Does God really mean? Is he really looking out for us? If we forget, if we believe the lies of the enemy, if we get confused about God's character, it changes our outlook about everything. If circumstances or ourselves or others get put on the throne in our minds instead of God, we will be disappointed and ravaged, trained to look at our disappointing selves as the standard for everything. Life is not worth living unless God is on the throne of our hearts. Nothing good can be had, no satisfaction can be found, and no love can grow apart from God's lordship. It's God or nothing. It's no middle ground. Thankfully, our God is merciful, pleased with every paltry, childish effort we make in the right direction, though he will not be satisfied till we stand before him one day in our white robes, perfected through his Son. But until then, he is far more patient with us than we are with ourselves or with others. He takes us where we are and gently but firmly leads us as a good shepherd. So the first thing, the important thing, is to remember who God is and what he has done. Focus on God first. Next, we have to take an honest look at ourselves and our expectations. 
and the temptations that may catch us in the trap of being disappointed in God, of doubting His goodness. We pray for help, we plan against our weaknesses, and we stay close to one another. We remember that it's always like this, every year, every winter. We've been through winter before. We've been through Christmas and post-Christmas before. Maybe you have a written record of what you prayed for or gave up or took on during Lent in previous years. Every calendar shows that spring always comes after winter. The way things are and our feelings or the attitudes of others have not always been like this. And they won't stay like this forever. People change, circumstances change, feelings change several times a day. Seasons change. And God brings the warmth of sunlight again. He's been bringing a lot of sunlight and warmth around here recently. God brings relief. God overcomes. God rescues. He does not abandon us. And the changing of seasons and the coming of dawn are designed to remind us of his faithfulness and kindness. We should also be asking God what he wants us to learn from this in this time. What can we gain from our time in the depressing Oklahoma winter? How can our character grow? Where do we need a little pruning? God often uses trials to open our eyes to our own weaknesses. Our job is to submit ourselves to his shaping, to remain under until God brings us out. So we remember who God is. We take an honest long-term look at where we are, where we have been, where we're going. We put our trust in our God to lead us as a good shepherd. <laughs> also, we should be looking around see who we can reach that needs the hope we have. Not everyone's been in church the last four weeks. Not everyone knows what you know, sees what you see, finds encouragement as you have. We reach out to others and we trust God to meet our needs as he promised. If we only seek our own comfort, we will lose even that after we lose everything else. C.S. Lewis said, comfort is the one thing you cannot get by looking for it. The main character in the movie, Patch Adams, said that if you treat a disease, you win, you lose. But if you treat a patient, you win every time. Our calling is not to change every bad circumstance into something more comfortable. Our calling is not to make everyone feel better or perform better. Our calling is not to make every process more efficient, every business honest, or every government fair. Now, those are usually good things to aim for. But God's plan goes way beyond any of those small goals. God's plan is aimed at transforming human hearts. Wow. Welcome to the best job with the best company ever. God may use our comforting and streamlining and reorganizing or reforming efforts to cause transformation, but make no mistake, God is not primarily concerned with governments or bank accounts or feelings or fairness. He is far more concerned with the hearts of individual people. 
All of our strengths, talents, gifts, and resources were given so that God might use us to transform others. In his mercy and in his omnipotence, God even uses all those unfair, cruel, tragic, hopeless, twisted, random, inconvenient, uncomfortable things about life to transform our hearts, to make us more like him, more able to love others. Let us not forget what kind of a God we serve and what he is most concerned about. Let us remember to view our days, our opportunities, our relationships through this lens that we may offer ourselves to his service rather than be enslaved to our own. So we remember who God is. We look honestly at where we are. We remember that God's goal is about transforming hearts more than circumstances. Finally, we focus our attention not on circumstances, not on our own strength, but on God's strength and his love. They never run out. He is quite relentless in his desire to transform us, whatever the cost to us, whatever the cost to him, says Lewis. Our God works all things together for our good. And he doesn't take vacation days off. He's never failed to come through for his own. He's never failed to fulfill his promises. He works in all of us and through all of us. He never changes. He is still who he always was and always will be. That is our focus. He is our focus. Now, that may not change your feelings of depression right away. It may not make the government fair or businesses honest or people easier to understand as soon as you go to God. The economy may not be affected. Your boss may still be a pain in the neck. Or maybe you still struggle with the same temptations for some time. But whatever the obstacle in your life, and however long it's allowed to stay, if you look to our Lord and Savior and do what he has already told us to do, if you take your burdens to him instead of staring at them on your own, he will guide you through them. He will help you overcome them. They may not go away quickly or completely, but they won't be the exhausting distraction that they were. They will not rule your life if he does. They will not rule your life if he does. And he is at work in all those other areas because he is always at work in the lives of individuals. Remember, transforming lives so we can be with him. That is what is most important to God. Remember the hope that we have in Jesus with the Holy Spirit? Remember who God is? Remember all that he's done? Remember how he has saved you, blessed you, and equipped you to be right where you are, doing what you do in the midst of those people around you. Once we remember, we must proclaim. Our brains leak. We don't remember things real well unless we repeat them over and over and over again. Anyone ever forget where they parked? Forget how many kids you brought with you? Forget your kids' names? <laughs> we need help 
We need to tell ourselves again what's real, what's important, what's our focus, and why. Take your brain to school for some lessons in what and why because of who. Let's look at what we believe and why and decide once again to buy in, to commit ourselves completely to the God in whom we have trusted and believed. We say we trust in God, let's live it out. Let's say words of trust and confidence and belief and not words of despair and fear and doubt. So sit your mind down for a good pep talk from the scriptures. This is from 1 Samuel chapter 2, the song of Hannah. My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is lifted up by the Lord. My mouth boasts over my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you, and there is no rock like our God. Do not boast so proudly or let arrogant words come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and actions are weighed by him. The bows of the warriors are broken, but the feeble are clothed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are starving hunger no more. The woman who is childless gives birth to seven, but the woman with many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and gives life. He sends some to Sheol and he raises others up. The Lord brings poverty and gives wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the garbage pile. He seats them with noblemen and gives them a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. He has set the world on them. He guards the steps of his faithful ones. But the wicked perish in darkness, for a man does not prevail by his own strength. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder in the heavens against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give power to his king. He will lift up the horn of his anointed. Psalm 3, verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. Psalm 30. I will exalt you, O Lord, because you have lifted me up and have not allowed my enemies to triumph over me. Lord my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. Lord, you brought me up from Sheol. You spared me from among those going down to the pit. Sing to Yahweh, you his faithful ones. And praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may spend the night, but there is joy when? In the morning. When I was secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you showed your favor, you made me stand like a strong mountain. When you hid your face, I was terrified. Lord, I called to you. I sought favor from my Lord. What gain is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your truth? Lord, listen and be gracious to me. Lord, be my helper. You turned my lament into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness so that I can sing to you and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. 
Psalm 92. It is good to praise Yahweh, to sing praise to your name, Most High, to declare your faithful love in the morning and your faithfulness at night with a ten-stringed harp and the music of a lyre. For you have made me rejoice, Lord, by what you have done. I will shout for joy because of the works of your hands. How magnificent are your works, Lord. How profound your thoughts. A stupid person does not know. A fool does not understand this. And though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be eternally destroyed. But you, Lord, are exalted forever. For indeed, Lord, your enemies, indeed your enemies will perish. All evildoers will be scattered. You have lifted up my horn like that of a wild ox. I've been anointed with oil. My eyes look down on my enemies. My ears hear evildoers when they attack me. The righteous thrive like a palm tree and grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord. They thrive in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age, healthy and green. To declare the Lord is just. He is my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in him. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going, both now and forever. Isaiah chapter 63, verses 7 and 9. I will make known the Lord's faithful love by the Lord's praiseworthy acts because of all the Lord has done for us. Even the many good things he has done for the house of Israel and has done for them based on his compassion and the abundance of his faithful love. In all their suffering, he suffered. And the angel of his presence saved them. He redeemed them because of his love and compassion. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of the past. Think for just a minute of all that you have to be thankful for. And if you didn't think it through at Thanksgiving, take the opportunity to do it now at Christmas. Surely there have been some reminders recently of all the goodness in our lives from our very good God. With that goodness in mind, with that God in mind, surely hope can be shared with others. Surely we can remind ourselves of all that God has done for us and who he is in those difficult moments. We are blessed. We are God's masterpiece. We have that hope, that power, that love 
to give away everywhere we go. There is work to do. There is much to give. And we have enough and to spare because God is inexhaustible. He is always the freshest person in the room. So let's share the fresh we have when all the culture is worn out. The world has nothing to offer and it robs us of life in exchange. Jesus offers everything and gives us life in exchange. It's the best deal in history, the best news ever, the best thing we can ever share. Especially now when everyone seems to need it so badly. Christmas is just the beginning. There is so much more.